You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on everybody welcome to another episode of the locked on vikings podcast part of locked on podcast network your team every day as always i'm your host your pal in the kid you copied off in math class my name is luke braun you can find me on twitter at luke braun nfl and you can find the show on twitter at locked on vikings i also want to shout out the locked on live show if you are looking for a pre-game show that goes up about 10 o'clock central time you can find Cody Rourke and Ross Jackson just talking about football. No frills, no celebrity cameos, none of the weird crap that all these other game day shows try to do. Just talking about football, worming you up for NFL Sunday. You can find it on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, everywhere, the Locked On NFL Live Show. Today is Twitter Tuesday, and that means I am answering your questions. There is uh, one piece of one little rumor that I want to address before I get there that probably people would have asked about if it had not broken like deeper into the night. Um, so we'll get to that and then we'll get to your questions. That rumor, uh, so the 49ers apparently called the Vikings trying to trade for Cameron Dantzler, um, and no trade ended up happening and the ship has sailed. They signed Drake Kirkpatrick. They've been dealing with some injury issues over there in San Francisco, uh, with like Jason Barrett and stuff. And, uh, so they got their guy, but I, I don't know. It's interesting that they called about Cameron Dantzler. It's interesting that the Vikings still said no. Andre Patterson kind of caped for him, and they said he's, he basically said, yeah, no, he hasn't been he said he hasn't been practicing well, and that's why he was a healthy scratch, and that's why he's fallen in the depth, depth chart and stuff. Um, so, you know, you got to practice well. You got to kind of show it and earn those opportunities. And uh, so, obviously, that sucks that he's fallen so far since he was uh, seeming to be, like, really on the up and up in 2020. Um, but he said, you know, he'll figure it out and he's, it, it seems like they believe in him. They're not ready to give up on him just yet. Uh, and I think if they were, maybe they would have been a little bit more willing to listen to the 49ers when they called interesting stuff. Um, I, I don't want that to get taken. It's really easy to let those things get twisted and taken out of context. When a team calls you, you're not looking to trade that player. Uh, somebody is looking to trade for that player, but you're not calling other teams trying to see who's interested, right? Uh, and even if you are, you know, the trade market in the NFL is kind of everything's everybody's throwing out feelers for everything, seeing what's there. You know, every player has his price, so to speak. Right. Uh, but the Vikings aren't like trying to trade Cameron Dantzler. And I know some people are going to try to pull one over on you and convince you that the Vikings are trying to trade for Cameron Dantzler or trying to trade Dantzler away. They're not. Somebody was desperate and they called the Vikings, tried to figure something out. and They decided to go to free agent instead. It's pretty much it. Um, but let's get to the questions. So the first one comes from Vikings Disappointment Enthusiast, I uh, love it, who says, did the Vikings return to a 2019 coverage plan or did they retain some of the simpler concepts of 2020 with the new, albeit veteran players? If they did move away from the 2020 coverages, could that help explain Dantzler's disappointing offseason? Um, that's a really interesting thought. So basically, the uh, the Vikings went to a cover two in 2020. The simplest coverage ever, really easy to beat, but also really easy to execute. And so when you had a bunch of young players, players who didn't know what they were doing, guys who were, you know, taken up off the street two days ago, like Kurdria Tankersley and Chris Jones and all those guys, you can run cover two and you can kind of hide those corners and put a whole bunch of leverage on the safeties. That puts a ton of leverage on the safeties, but those guys were Anthony Harrison, Harrison Smith, and you'd rather put leverage on them than on like Chris Jones. And that was kind of the 2020 defense. What it was before that was a lot of um, man match kind of rules. And you can think of that basically as a set of kind of rules and uh, like checks 
that a player will go through that says, okay, if he goes left, I cover him. If he goes right, I do this instead. And kind of this whole if then series of like almost like a flow chart in your head about who you're supposed to cover. And then once you've figured out who you're supposed to cover, you play man to man on that guy. Um, but it's not like true man to man where you line up pre-snap, you say, I have number 18. It's like, uh, you know, I have the outermost guy. Um, and which isn't really a zone either. You're not looking at landmarks. It's like, I just have whoever ends up on the outside or whoever ends up being the deepest is my response. That's what match is. Um, and yes, they went to mat to match and they got all of the kind of advantages of match, which is a very variable coverage. It's a, a very flexible coverage. You can change those rules and really respond to anything. Um, if you're really confident in what you can and can't ask your players to do. Um, so Dantzler, the thing is, he did do some match stuff in 2020. They didn't hide Dantzler the way that they hid Harrison Hand. And uh, actually, they didn't hide Harrison Hand on the outside as much in 2020. He had a couple of good games out there. Uh, I mean, super limited, though. But they didn't hide him like they hid like Chris Boyd. They hid Chris Boyd in cover two and stuff in 2020. And they didn't really do that with Dantzler. So I don't think it explains the disappointing offseason. I think my theory is that Dantzler put on a bunch of bulk, tried to be less skinny, got slow. This is not the first time he has made that mistake. Um, I think he just has to kind of play skinny and just that's got to be who he is. Um, and I, I think he might have made a poor choice. And that might have been on the advice of the Vikings. But I think that everybody involved just kind of made a poor choice about uh like how he was gonna you know handle his weight moving forward um and i think he just lost a lot of speed um i, I have a whole bunch more questions that i want to get to but first i want to talk to you about grambling now if you are following on twitter you know that the bunnies pick uh vikings games they were right i was wrong so listen to them uh whatever they pick we'll do it like on friday or saturday uh vikings currently minus or plus four headed into arizona which means uh, they would be a slight underdog on a neutral field, but then you get the home field advantage of Arizona and all that. So if you're feeling the Vikings on a bounce back, or if you just want to be a complete doomer about it and bet on the Arizona Cardinals, maybe they'll win by two touchdowns and you can get a little bit of money there. Can't say I'm above it. You can find that and whatever else you want at betonline.ag. You can find more than just football, basketball, baseball, even your favorite Vegas casino games. You can bet on anything at betonline.ag. If you sign up on your mobile or desktop and use a promo code locked on, L O C K E D O N, you get a hundred percent welcome bonus. It means whatever you put in for your first deposit, BetOnline just matches it if you use a promo code and you just get some free gambling money. So head on over to betonline.ag and get yourself started and get a gambling. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, I have a whole bunch of questions I want to get to. I got to go away faster. So the next one I'm going to get to comes from Troy MCC, who asks something a lot of people ask some version of this, which is, are you still high on Bradbury? Uh, Bradbury. So here's the th funny thing about Bradbury. I didn't hear a peep about Garrett Bradbury outside of one play, which was a bad play, and people called it out. And then his PFF grade came out, and now he's public enemy number one. And I don't really agree with the PFF grade. I mean, I wouldn't call it a good game, but I think they were way too hard on him. They gave him a grade in, like, the 20s, which is, like, fire him into the sun bad. I, I don't think so. They will kill you for penalties. P PFF is really, really harsh on penalties, and that's not inappropriate. I don't think they're wrong to be that. Um, but essentially that grade tells you he got two holding penalties and, uh, they credited him with two sacks. Although one of those I think was Kirk Cousins' fault. So Bradbury, um, so the, the two holding penalties were really, really boneheaded because those were blocks he had one and then he torqued them or he like grabbed somebody at the end of the play and he, he won the block and did not need to hold, but then he held anyways. And that's just, I think being nervous, 
Um, and just kind of that's, that's another one of those week one jitter things. You just can't do that. And that's almost more frustrating. You know, Rashad Hill got beat and desperately grabbed a guy's arm because, you know, we'll try to get away with a hold in lieu of a sack. And if they call me, at least we keep the down. That is terrible. I mean, you got beat really bad, right? Um, but it's almost more frustrating to win the rep and then hold anyways and ruin the win that you got. Um, but he did get walked back a couple times, and he, of course, struggles with that that kind of bull rush power thing. His stance just isn't good. And the Vikings just kind of know that about him, and they're just okay with it. So a lot of people were like, is he going to get benched? Is Mason Cole going to come in, all this stuff? I don't think so. I think the Vikings know about that problem. They have accepted that problem. They're just okay with it. It's just going to happen sometimes, and there are things that Garrett Bradbury does, and they're just kind of they've just kind of said, this is worth it to us. Um, so we just kind of have to deal with that. Uh, the next one comes from Matt Battaglia, who says... Why didn't the Vikings reach out to Russell Okung or Mitchell Schwartz? They honestly thought Hill and Udo were legit starters. Um, So they thought Hill was a legit starter. Um, And I think there is a self-scouting problem with how much faith that they put into Hill over the years. Um, I had a off-season take about Rashad Hill, which I will get to in a later question that I will address there. But I mean, they they have always been too high on Rashad Hill. Um, And a lot of my off-season take was like, guys... Don't be surprised if they're too high on Rashad Hill because they're too high on Rashad Hill. Um, Oli Udo earned it in his camp. Um, I I would definitely, if you saw what he did in camp um, and I mean, you saw what he did in the preseason, he earned that starting gig. I don't think the Vikings made a self-scouting error. Now, it didn't carry over into the regular season and camp and preseason are tough, but you got to reward a guy when he comes in, you give him an opportunity to win the job and he went and he won the job. Um, and I think the fact that he came out and did poorly in his first game, I don't think that that means that they should just ignore all camp results, uh, which is basically the only way to like prevent that issue moving forward is to ignore all camp results that that just can't be the move. Um, King squeaks asks, how many times does Chandler Jones have to burn Rashad Hill before we punt Christian Darasaw into the blaze? Man, is he even going to be active? He's hurt. He's not going to be the guy. It'd be Blake Brandle or you're kicking Ezra Cleveland outside and putting like Mason Cole in at left guard. The pickings are slim and the Vikings are kind of punished for getting rid of Riley Reef, right? They get rid of Riley Reef to save cap space. We can go into the many reasons that they needed to do that. And there's dead cap issues. There's Cousins' contract. There's other big contracts that are kind of weighing everything down, you know, bars and um, they had to deal with, uh, you know, they had to extend Harrison Smith at, well, they saved some 2021 cap doing that, but they had to uh, extend Brian O'Neill and they've got, you know, they were top heavy contract, like Mike Zimmer said, and getting rid of Riley Reef was kind of the only way that they could keep that like a roster together. And the fact that they were in that position, there's a lot of factors we could probably litigate there. Um, but they don't have another tackle. Sorry, it's going to be Rashad Hill till Christian Derrissaw is healthy. And then even if Christian Derrissaw is healthy, he's got to know the calls. He's got to be ready to play. The only thing worse than a bad tackle is a tackle that doesn't know the calls. I guarantee you that it is worse to not know the call. If you don't know who you're supposed to block, what the protection is supposed to be, if you go do the wrong guy, you're going to start seeing a lot more unblocked sacks than just when they blitz. You do not want that. And I know we're very, very good here in Vikings world at it can't be worse than whoever it can always be worse. It is the one law of the Vikings. They can always make it worse. Please do not challenge them. Nate from Houston says, after watching Joe Mixon gash the Vikings for 127 on the ground, is Anthony Barr the key to our run defense? Along the same line, if we go into a base defense when Barr is back, which linebacker takes the third role? Um, Second thing first, that's Nick Vigil. He had that third linebacker role for all of camp. It's uh, definitely going to be him. Blake Lynch also took the strong side reps. Um, He is the backup Barr. 
and Nick Vigil is Nick Vigil. Um, so there's so that it's it's Nick Vigil. Uh, the first thing, I, I, it obviously doesn't help to lose your starter. I actually thought Blake Lynch did a decent job, and I I liked Nick Vigil's game. I know PFF didn't like it, and they credited him with like three missed tackles, but all of those were like in the backfield with other guys rallying. Um, and you know, he slowed him down enough and like, that's good enough to me. Um, so I, 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 I don't know. The backups did okay. Obviously losing Anthony Barr hurt some, I think they got gassed. I, I think, I mean, Mike, it was like 95 degrees out. Michael Pierce got tired. Armin Watts went in and he got killed. Um, and uh, you know, down the stretch too, when they're leading and they're in clock two mode, it's a lot easier to run. So there's all that other stuff. Uh, bump Jess says, what would the take on Cousins be if Shanahan was his coach? Um, oh, I think he'd get lit up if Shanahan were his coach. I mean, look, so there's a contingent of people that are going to blame Cousins either way, right, for everything. Um, and, you know, if I think it's Cousins' fault, I'll be on that too. Um, I don't think, like, there's probably a contingent of people that are saying, well, it's Clint Kubiak's fault, not Cousins' fault. And if that guy were Shanahan, all those people would probably start blaming Cousins. So, yeah, I think he would get absolutely wrecked. Uh, Jeff Teed says, I didn't hear his name much, but how was Patrick Peterson? Was he not targeted because he was a shutdown corner or because Breland was forgetting how to corner? Um, yeah, Breland just like dying is going to take up the target kind of no matter what happens everywhere else on the field. Um, I, I tried to explain, I'll link it in the show notes. I tried to explain what happened on the Jamar Chase thing. Um, he was left one-on-one. I think he made a bad decision in terms of what he read the play to be and he didn't turn his hips and go with the go route. He thought it was going to break inside, I think. And then he was wrong there. He had to guess and he was, and he guessed wrong. So obviously that's a big mistake. Um, I, I think Peterson, I thought was like fine. He got like, okay. PFF grade. I think he made a couple of mistakes in terms of like communications and stuff, but overall I thought he had a fine game. Uh, before I finish out this mailbag, I want to talk to you about your car. I want you to take care of your car. I want you to make sure you are prepared for whatever happens here. Winter is, uh, on its way. I didn't want to say the Game of Thrones thing. <laughs> and, uh, that means if you get stuck on the road and it's winter and it's cold, that can be really, really dangerous. And you definitely don't want to get stuck on the road. You want to have a tire kit in your car. You want to have jumper cables in your car. Have an ice scraper in your car if you live in the cold, in the great white north. Uh, have those, have that stuff ready. If you don't have that stuff, you can find it at rockauto.com. Or if you're a big gearhead, you can find whatever DIY supplies you need at rockauto.com. It is a car parts aggregator that lets you buy parts straight from the manufacturers. Instead of having to go to a brick and mortar auto shop and get upcharged to hell and back again from those guys, you can buy it online, get it delivered directly to your door. Rock Auto has been doing this online for like 15 years. They know what they're doing. They know how to get you quality parts at a discount. So head on over to rockauto.com and do that. Now check out, make sure you let them know that locked on sent you because if you don't i am gonna have to convince the bunnies to start snitching and then the whole operation is gonna fall over rock auto amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need i also want to talk to you about how you watch tv if you have a whole bunch of different apps and a whole bunch of different devices if you're gonna watch this show you got to be on that tv if you're gonna watch that show you have to be on the ipad whatever uh why don't you consolidate all of that and go with direct tv stream direct tv stream is a new way to bring your live tv and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch all your favorites in one place You don't have to juggle remotes, you don't have to buy new devices, and the best part, no annual contracts. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. It's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. 
All right. Keeping on with this mailbag, I'll get to as many questions as I can. Thank you guys so much for sending in so many questions. This is awesome. It's a flooded mailbag. I agree. Like Kirk says, one to 10. How confident in Greg Joseph? Uh, cool that he made a 50 yarder for the first time, like ever. <laughs> he could never make anything over 50 and he nailed it from 53 twice. He got iced. Pretty cool. Still not that confident. Takes more than one kick to win me over. Um, so I'll give it like a three. Like I, th- I was like a two before the game and now I'm a three. So you got a point out of it. So good job. But eh, work to do before you really get before I'm not sweating. Uh, Eric the Red says, did we lose because of Jake Browning? Uh, that <laughs> so Jake Browning, of course, spends spends camp with the Vikings, gets cut, ends up on the Bengals practice squad like three days before the game. Um, and and I, I joked about like, oh, no, he knows the offense. And so he can tell the, the about the offense. So we lost because of penalties. We lost because we false started. The Bengals were just kind of handed those gifts. And then they did well on third and 20. But like it was the Vikings own fault that they were on third and 20. Um, and I, the things that you can tell about somebody's offense, I don't know. They're kind of the things that are pretty obvious that you can get on game tape for most of it and any signals and calls and like really true, you know, internal state secrets, uh, they're going to shift all that stuff around week to week anyways to prevent like exactly this. So it's not really a thing that happens. Now, teams bring in a guy from their opponent all the time, like onto their practice squad to give insight, to help with scouting and stuff. But usually they're not going to be able to give up anything that you couldn't get with like intrepid scouting. Um, They'll help in your scouting effort. Um, but they're not going to like give away the key to the Vikings. You don't give your players the key to the Vikings before you cut them. Uh, seven seven ninety school says I'm trying to stay positive. Bless you, my dude. It seemed like Pierce really popped yesterday, and I'm really excited about him. Agree. Uh, given his ability to pressure the QB, do you see his role getting expanded similar to Linval? The only problem is the jersey number. Just terrible. Um, agree on all fronts. He did great. His jersey number is awful. And in terms of expanding his role to the size of a Linval role, he is. I mean, Linval was a rotational player, too. He would come off on obvious passing downs, like, a lot. And, and you would kind of rush, like, stand-up Ed rushers inside when Linval Joseph was here. Um... I think it's a matter of conditioning. I think Michael Pierce could only play so many snaps in that heat. And then when he had to come out, Armin Watts came in and you lost it. Um, So I think it's a matter of how many snaps can you get out of Michael Pierce before he's gassed. That's going to be what limits his role, not quality or anything like that. But I mean, obviously, you know, third and 20, you're not going to have Michael Pierce running around in there. You don't need that. Uh, Man Skull asks... Breeland getting roasted on straight go route by Hill and then chase makes me super nervous going forward. How does that get fixed by Sunday? So I don't think it was the same thing. And Zimmer actually stood up for Bashad Breeland and said, yeah, I think he's going to be fine. He was dealing with a shoulder um, and, he, and he was coming in and out, which, by the way, stop making stop accusing corners of faking injuries, man. That is the weakest crap ever. Like dude's gutting out a shoulder injury and you're like sitting there on your couch, Cheeto dust on your hands going like oh, he's faking like get, get out of here with that. Um, but, but to, to your question, it's hard to say, um, any fixes you have. So it was a mental error, right? It was an error in reading the Bengals offense, and that's going to be pretty specific to the Bengals. So any fix you have would kind of only apply to the Bengals, which doesn't matter anymore. The Cardinals are next. So you just have to hope he reads the next offense better, which I know is like a dissatisfying answer. Uh, but it's the way cornerback goes, you know, a lot of the times you make a mistake and it's just, you got, got by the other guy's out thinking you, and that's the nature of the game. It's a mental chess match, and he lost it on that one. Uh, Waka Waka says, how is it possible that the Vikings trot out an abysmal O-line for what seems like the 10th year in a row? Um, so I've given this spiel before, um, but I know there's a lot of new people, so here it is again. The 
offensive line has been a problem because of some long-term issues. A, they've just missed on a few picks. You know, you've had the, the Pat Elflines, you've had the TJ Clemmings and the Drew Samias and the guys that just haven't worked out, right? You also have had, um, I think a lot of, there's a wire cross between the way the Vikings think in March and April when they're, okay, we're going to get this guy and that guy. And then, you know, we're going to bring in all these talented people. We're going to bring in super athletes that are raw, but it's okay. We'll just develop them. And then once you get into August, you're like, well, that guy plays right guard and he's raw and we're teaching him everything. Let's move him to left guard because we're trying to get our same five people out there and, you know, our best five people out there. And let's move that guy over to the other side and let's, you know, kick this guy out to tackle. And they move guys around and, you know, they start guys way before they're ready. And then they kind of ruin and like torpedo that development. There's a like big wire crossed and all of that. Um, the next one comes from Drew Locke Enjoyer. That's who says over the offseason, there was a viral question, which was if you had the first overall pick and could take a kicker that made every single one of his kicks from any distance, would you? I remember that one. Is Greg Joseph that kicker? Sure, buddy. Yeah, why not? Forrester asks, how do you sleep at night after tr after tricking us into thinking Rashad Hill got better? So, OK, here, let me let me explain myself. Let me just everybody calm down. <laughs> let me explain myself. So I had a take in the offseason. Uh, that was like, hey, what if Rashad Hill got better? I didn't say he was. It was, hey, what if he got better? That'd be cool, right? Uh, and basically, that was predicated on watching uh, his limited action in 2020. Rashad Hill got in on a few games in, you know, injury situations in Week 17 and stuff. Um, and that was, and he, I thought he played well, and I thought he, you know, his footwork had developed, and he had developed in a way, and I kind of wrote parts, but like, hey, maybe he got a little better. Um, I at no point said that he was ever a good starter. I said maybe he could be a low end starter um, and probably is still backup quality. And then when the Vikings drafted Christian Darasaw, that take adapted into, hey, don't be surprised if Rashad Hill gets the start. But I never said he would be good. I only said he would start, which I was right about, even though I kind of that's kind of cheating because Darasaw got hurt. So it wasn't really a battle like in earnest. Um, but my my take was, look. Darasaw's a rookie. He might not be ready to play right away. They like Rashad Hill probably a lot more than they should. Prepare yourself for Rashad Hill to start, even if you don't think he should. And that's what happened. So I hope you guys listened and prepared yourselves. If you didn't, that's not on me. Uh, so that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Vikings. Uh, you know what? I'm going to do one more. Jackson NFL says, will the Vikings owners finally get tired of Mike Zimmer? What is it going to take? I think if he goes one and five again into the bye and you do that for two years in a row, I think that's pretty sufficient. Um, the Wilfs are an incredibly patient ownership group. I think that's a good thing for the most part. Um, and but I think if you take, you know, coaches that are in the Mike Zimmer space where you feel like it's purgatory, you take John Gruden's the the Jeff Fisher's, you know, the guys, the Sean Payton going seven and nine every year. If Sean Payton after that seven and nine stretch when they didn't have any defense, if he had a three and eight start, he would have been fired. But instead they had like a 13 and three season coming off of those seven and nines. So, and then he's still there. Right. So it, it, it takes an, an abysmal record. It takes, it takes like a mathematically eliminated in November kind of year. And if they're three and eight, if they are, you know, one and five into the bye two years in a row, I think is really bad. I, I obviously that's really bad. I think that's plenty sufficient. Um, and I would probably be calling for it if they're one and five, you know, going into the bye again, which is a possibility. It's a tough schedule. So they got a lot of things to fix. We got to see if they're going to fix them now. Tomorrow, uh, we are going to talk to Ed Smith, uh, who is 
who played tight end in the league in the 90s. He was on the 98 Falcons, who did unspeakable things to the Vikings. Um, and we're going to talk to him about being a player and being on a lot of different teams and just kind of mentality and stuff. I can't wait for that conversation. So come through for that. And uh, we have, of course, got Crossover Thursday. We'll talk to Bo and Alex at Locked on Cardinals. We got Bold Prediction Friday. All kinds of great stuff coming in over the week. So make sure you stick around. Also, check out the Locked on Bets podcast. Your boy Q and Lee Sterling getting your grambles straight. I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, Skull.